Radio in Africa was the exclusive preserve of governments. Radio is very much, to my mind, uh, an explanatory medium. Welcome to Season 3 of Free Speak and this first episode for 2022. World Radio Day is around the corner and the theme for this year is radio and trust. The entire journalistic world is currently battling with the issue of public trust. And so it is fitting that this key question is the focus of 2022 World Radio Day, which is celebrated globally on February 13. It's a particularly important issue for a medium regarded as the most powerful in Africa. Accessing the widest audiences especially in areas where newspapers and the internet don't reach. While the use of the internet and social media as news sources are expanding on the continent, according to the Afrobarometer survey, radio still tops the list. It's also a media that was for many decades under the control of governments across the continent. But the Vintuk Declaration of 1991 and the African Charter on Broadcasting facilitated the opening of the airwaves. Today, the broadcasting industry is as diverse as it is impactful. But is radio trusted by the majority of listeners? And if not, how to forge that trust is a leading question. I've got two great guests with me today, Nora Apollos, the grand dame of radio in Namibia, if I may call her that. And I do recall being interviewed by Nora back in the 80s for Radio France International. At the time, I was a correspondent for the BBC, which I, I do remember those times with great fondness. And she's also a broadcast trainer par excellence. My second guest is one of the shining lights in the radio landscape in Namibia, and he is David Bishop, head of news at Future Media also an experienced broadcaster. So welcome to you both. I'm Gwen Lister, host of the Free Speak podcast in which we discuss all things media. Nora, if I may start with you, you've got decades-long experience in media, not only here in Namibia, but further afield too. Has radio in Africa changed for the better in the intervening years in the transition to open airwaves? Thank you, Gwen. Uh, undoubtedly so, obviously. Um, look, when I started out in radio um, about 40 years ago, radio in Africa was the exclusive preserve of governments, of African right. um, governments. I remember even as a child growing up in Zambia, way yeah. before uh, I went to university, etc., as a child growing up in, in, in Zambia, the only radio broadcasting allowed on the airwaves was uh, the national broadcaster Absolutely. or the state uh, broadcaster, Zambia National Broadcasting right. uh, um, Corporation. So it has always been the preserve of, um, of governments in Africa. Now, obviously, the airwaves have opened up to hundreds of um, different players, both in the private and commercial um, radio sectors. Now, this development has also been important for the advent of um, democracy, to the, for the transition to democracy in, um, in most African countries. So that is important. However, while it is a welcome development, right. it has 
its inherent dangers. And we will come to that. Right, exactly. That's a good point, Nora, and we will explore that as well. David, just to follow up with you, given that radio is the most powerful medium, even in this digital era, do you think it is rising to the challenge of providing the audience with news that they can use? I think it is. I, I think radio is very much, to my mind, uh, an explanatory medium. So it has the ability to to dig a little bit deeper and to explain, and, and often in, in explain it in terms that, that the layman can understand. So right. I think especially now in, with, with COVID-19, with not the advent of, but the acceleration of fake news, I think their radio has, has come to the fore in, in many ways because it has the ability to to explain, to dig a little bit deeper, to, to debunk a lot of that fake news. Okay. Um, I, I think obviously the, the day-to-day news that, that people require, I think radio does still provide that as well and, and is able to provide that in a very accessible format. Right. And it's very immediate as well. Yeah. Which, of course, where it uh, differs with print and, and legacy media, basically. Yeah, if I can just come in there, Certainly I totally Nora. agree with, um, with, with, with David that... Uh, uh, um, in this area of um, fake news on social platforms, you know, wherever, people tend to refer first to um, radio and other um, tried and tested, you know, stations right. to see if this news is, is real. So radio is playing an important part there. Oh, yes. I'm glad to hear that because definitely to debunk a lot of the disinformation that's so proliferates on <laughs> on social media, yes. Uh, Nora, perhaps just to follow up on that, what are, what are your perceptions on where radio stands vis-a-vis the trust of the audience? Um, do you think private radio is more trusted than state broadcasters, for example, or is it the reverse, or does it differ from country to country? Mm, or? Mm, mm. Well, it, it, it depends. Look, um, in Western Europe, where I worked for, for, for many years, right. I, I'd say that the national broadcasters, you know, your BBC, your Radio France International, etc., especially the Scandinavian countries, sure. those are more trusted simply because they have a very strict code of conduct. The journalists are, are skilled, they're experienced, right. and they're ethical. Right. So um, basically they are more um, um, trusted. But in Africa, hell no. Is that because, Nora, could I interrupt there, is that because of the, the, the divide between public broadcasters, which probably are phrases that apply to Radio France International, BBC and Scandinavian, as opposed to state broadcasters? Is that where the problem comes? That is, well, um, yes, you know, when, when you look at it, but, but the, the problem is the control, the tight grip, that governments have on the airwaves right. in, in, in state-owned uh, broadcasters. They like to call themselves national broadcasters. Exactly, yeah. You know, but, okay, but, national, in the, but yes, anyway. national in the sense that, yes, they're owned by, by yeah. government, it's national. But the grip that they have on what goes out on the airwaves is what is causing the what is causing them to be viewed by the public with suspicion, derision. They are sometimes called his or her master's voice, right. you know, for obvious um, um, reasons, and it is because of um, this tight grip and the influence right. that they exert, overtly or covertly, that they uh, uh, are sometimes subtle or blatant, 
and it is because of this influence that um, they, they exit. And this has led, unfortunately, to self-censorship on the part of um, these journalists, which is sad because it compromises the quality of programs. Absolutely. Look, Nora, before I turn to David, just to, uh, to add on to that, the, the, the thing is, though, that these state broadcasters are still very powerful in the rural areas. Yes. So, uh, and they are obviously the go-to, um, especially if you look in the Namibian context, your private radio is stronger, I think, in the cities and urban areas, whereas it's really in the rural areas where people need that information that so desperately. Is, that, that is they, where, yeah, that's yeah. where their strength is. And uh, when, when uh, uh, um, in terms of the popularity, you know, uh, rankings, the public broadcaster, the national broadcaster, you know, is way above above the rest because they reach that penetration exactly, and yeah. they reach the most number of people, particularly in the rural areas, yeah, and the language group because they broadcast in their languages. That's also so true. So obviously they reach yeah the, the private and commercial uh, urban based right and exactly mainly geared for the youth. David, anything yeah, you'd I, like to add there? I, I was going to say the reach the reach is definitely is definitely a factor and yeah. and and the you know the different sort of socioeconomic stratifications uh, will will as Nora said influence the trust levels um, what i'm sort of seeing in in the in the discourse uh, let's sort of say amongst the, the 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 rising educated classes in in Namibia is that sort of skepticism of of government media of you know of of national radio stations but also and i'm and i'm glad for it a healthy skepticism even of the private commercial radio stations right. commercial media uh people are being able to to sort of look at that as well and say but you know are you also 100 percent impartial or are you choosing your stories based on certain commercial interests perhaps and i mean that's why it's very important in in any organization to have that that very definite divide between your editorial content and your sort of sales team, to say. Exactly. And another issue may be, of course, critically, David, we won't dwell on it here, but the issue which, uh, which is so applicable at the moment also to print media is the issue of ownership. Who owns it? What are the agendas behind it? A lot of the public, when they don't know, mm. don't know whether to trust that news or not. So that's another consideration that maybe calls for more transparency in the radio sector Definitely. so people know who they're listening to and and what it represents. But as a follow-up uh, to the earlier point, David, in, in, in print media, we are seeing a surge towards investigative journalism, particularly as newspapers try to realign themselves under threat. Um, but this has never been the forte of radio. Um, any comment from you on whether this is something that could happen in the broadcast media in the future, or is it difficult to do I, th I think it uh, it's it is possible I'm not I'm not 100% certain in the Namibian context I mean traditionally private radio specifically in Namibia has has been very much entertainment driven uh, we don't have very right. strong talk stations Correct. Uh, yeah, South Africa goes a little bit further they they do have uh, the Cape Talks and the 702s, uh, but even even there, they 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 are limited. They're not necessarily pure talk. Uh, and I mean, I, I I've seen instances overseas where radio stations have successfully done investigative work and and broken those kinds of stories. It it just depends, as I say, in an, in a Namibian context, resource wise, time wise, 
and m what the audience actually consumes radio here for, yeah, I'm not sure people tuning into an entertainment station right. will necessarily welcome a, a hard news hour where you dig very deeply into into a story. Right. But I but I don't see why we can't do certain elements of investigative reporting. Sure. So maybe not a, a massive uh, WikiLeaks style or, you know, I, ICIJ, am I getting the acronym In depth, right? absolutely. Yeah, those, Panama those sorts Papers. Of Panama sort of. Papers mm -hmm. stories. Mm -hmm. But radio can dig into the smaller, and, and I mean, tying in there to the idea that, that, that all journalism is, is investigative journalism, right. digging into the local issues, especially exactly. for the the smaller community stations, and I know there was training done a couple of years ago for for people people working for the community stations to to allow them to figure out how to dig into their local stories, how to hold their councillors to account. So a different type of investigative journalism, right. sure, but right. the, the, the sort of big in-depth Panama paper style, it's not possible, not really. really. Well, not in the foreseeable future. It's maybe an area worth exploring, though, especially uh, neither of you obviously represent the, the community radio sector. Mm -hmm. But when you think of Omeheke Radio based in a certain community, that it should be looking at the issues mm -hmm. that are so badly affecting those communities, whether it be the drought or whether it be corruption or whatever, that there is scope yeah. perhaps for a slightly more diverse uh, bouquet, if you like, for, for listeners. And given that radio is so is still so so strong and so influential mm. uh, in terms of access to information, the potential would seem to be unlimited. I think one of the main problems here, why we don't have um, investigative journalism um, on our airwaves, is, is it actually, particularly on the public broadcasting, yep. because with its resources and its reach, right. you know, it should be, and it can um, come up with these um, insightful uh, um, programs. The problem, and I, this is across the board, is the skills. Skills and, and maybe the expense, Nora, of yes. content creation in terms well, of... Well, there, yep. there would be an expense for the private sector, obviously, right. because right. it is, it is um, expensive. You know, there would be... There would also obviously be um, 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 expenses for the, the, the public broadcaster because they're also under pressure, you know, financially. Sure. So there is that. But they have correspondence in the various um, um, regions. They've, sure. got, um, they've got radio stations in all the regions. So, you know, their expenses uh, uh, can be um, managed, you know, uh, um, properly in terms of uh, gathering content for, right. for um, investigative um, journalism. Right. Um, but the skills level is inhibiting that, would you say? That is the main okay. problem. Okay. That That's is the main problem, even with the private radio uh, um, stations. Yeah, I similar. have listened um, to yeah. them, yeah. you know, and, well, uh, cringe, basically. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, and I was going to mention it Skills. later, a lot of people are attracted, young people, to radio because they see themselves as DJs, right? Mm -hmm. And making names for themselves and, 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 and sort of going off into the entertainment industry, seeing that as a stepping stone and not for serious journalism. Mm -hmm. So that's maybe something that needs to be looked at in the future. I mean, and, and I think it starts really with our tertiary institutions. Um, and, and they are supposed to be um, the, 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 the launch pad for these um, um, journalists. 
Okay? But when you listen to their radio stations, the entire programming is nothing but DJs. Right, exactly. And, and these are supposed to be training, you know, journalists, supposed to be a platform for training journalists. Right. Just listen to them. It's nothing but music and yeah. DJs. And, and, and as you say, a lot of the young people, especially the urban youth, right. and unfortunately the rural youth are copying this as well because they want to think it's hip and they want to move Be into part that. Of that. But they are being deprived of real quality, incisive programs. And certainly some opportunities lost. But, yes. you know, maybe it, uh, I don't know, but having a little to do with some of the community stations, some better than others, seem to be trying to do a bit more, train their people, get them sort of conscious of local issues and not just play music all the time. David, do you want to chip in there before we... I think a lot of the problem is, is almost that, that, that being a DJ is seen as an easy job. Exactly. Uh, that, that's sort of how it's, the, it's sold in, in the, the pop culture elements of it that, you know, and... and Perhaps I was guilty of that back as an 18-year-old as well, getting into radio. You can, you know, arrive, make a cup of coffee and sit down and talk nonsense for three hours. But the understanding of what actually goes into a successful radio show and, and the fact that you need to research and be well-read and know what you're speaking about. So that's why training and, and mentorship becomes very important. But obviously there again, radio, I think, is also limited in a way, much like the, the newspapers are with the sort of uh, this, the, the skills loss as people are, if, if I think back to the, 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 the old days of radio in, in Namibia, how many of those people are still actually in the industry and, and how many of them have moved on to greener pastures, let's say, working right. in PR or, right. or working in government or any of those. So we've, you're losing those skills and you're losing those mentorship opportunities. And that to me is where it's very, very important is to be able to get, get the youth who, who are energetic and want to be in radio because to me that that's very important I, i've gone to the, you go you go to the schools and everyone wants to be a lawyer or a doctor because yeah. they can they can earn big money i mean i i always wanted to work in radio that was just my that was my passion so to not see that amongst amongst the youth it's, is yeah. disheartening to me but right in the people that or where there is that passion and where they do want to become a dj to then be able to take that person and mentor them and, and mold them and, and sort of show them that given the work, they can become exceptional. Exactly. And I mean, there is such hope for and scope for, for youth who do want to go into media. But again, there seems to be this reluctance, unless, as you say. And then I'm wondering whether a lot of the youth aren't, or, or, or even the radio station management at times, looking at how, for example, newspapers are trying to reinvent themselves and compete with the social media that they resort to sort of clickbait. Mm -hmm. How do we get peace and people to listen to our station? Let's talk about sex. Mm -hmm. Or do you know what I mean? Is that um, that sort of infotainment um, definitely, focus? Definitely an element. And I've, I've seen South African radio stations sort of being accused of uh, hiring, instead of looking for, for good DJ talent, they're more interested in content creator, influencer type. Uh, someone has a massive following on social media, and I've seen it reported in the States as well, where someone's being hired based on what they can, what following they can bring right. to the radio right. station. So that on, influencer yeah, type on, on social media. Mm -hmm. and, and obviously, I mean, that will then also influence the type of content that that person creates and the type of content that goes out on the radio. And, and you, you will end up with those sort of 
clickbait type stories and, and sensationalism. Exactly. Precisely. And and as Gwen was um, saying here in, in, in Namibia in um, particular, the ownership is extremely important because um, some owners, and there is a case in point yes, in Namibia. I think we know what it is. Yes, precisely. Before um, you so, some it. owners have yeah. hidden agendas or right. open agendas. Right. It's not so hidden based on the content that right. they they play on their stations. Right. And it is absolutely horrendous. It is so sensational. It's, it, it beggars their belief. Right. You know, and um, this is where the, the, the danger is as well. And the fact that um, there isn't a body or an institution right. that should actually be calling them to order right. to say, guys, what you are doing is not journalism. Yeah. It's a disservice. The editors' forum is there, but it and yes. the NBC, for example, and I think certain private radio are members, but that doesn't. It's not a, as you say, some sort of regulatory. It has no teeth. It's the voluntary aspect of it. Yes, exactly. that the people exactly. that, that we are speaking about without naming aren't members of the EFN, so exactly. they're not beholden to the policies and the agreements exactly. and, and the code of conduct that the EFN puts exactly. out. And, and it's a and lot of popular stuff that yeah, gets a bit yes. of a following, which is unfortunate. Precisely, some, yeah. because they like the sensationalist um, sure. uh, nonsense that um, sure. you know, is, 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 um, is put out there. Mm -hmm. and, and if we are not careful, if we don't regulate ourselves, right. and if we don't strictly adhere to an internationally accepted code, code of conducts and ethics, right. we are going to be regulated by government. Right. Sooner or later. There's always the sort of sword of Damocles. Exactly. There's always this sword hanging heads. over our heads, you know, sure. guys. Um, and, and now, obviously, with governments being pressured to open up the airwaves and to allow um, free speech, this is like taking it a bit too far. Yeah, you know, it is. It. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. It goes back to the, the 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 mentorship and training again, but also then, as you're saying, it, it brings in that other element of it. It depends on the on the company itself. Mm -hmm. Do they have strict guidelines in, in place? place? Do they do the the? Because again, that we we've got the difference between a, a a DJ and and a journalist. So the person putting out the news on the station. You know, as opposed to the person who's just talking about the news on the station, um, and and the fact that they need to actually be held to the same standard. Exactly. Uh, but it's it's up to the company to enforce that and to make sure that they have a stringent set of guidelines for their DJs, for their journalists. This is what you can cover. This is how you can cover that. But like Nora says, when everybody's struggling and and you're looking for some kind of income, right. sometimes depending on the company, it's easier to say, go for it. Let's, yeah, absolutely. You know, let's cause Just, a little. Let, let's yes. get some people talking Stir about it. Up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, th I think that the issuing um, um, authority that issues the the the, the licenses, I, I think, should be a bit more stringent in who it um, gives, gives the licenses, licenses to. to. You know, for heaven's sakes, if you want to issue a broadcasting license, there must be a minimum. You know, of of required exactly. Mm. You know, one, you've got to be journalists, and two, you know, whatever, but experience, but you can't just issue it to business people and, Anybody oh, I woke up this morning and I decide I want to have, you know, a radio station. Right. Hello. Yeah. yeah. Nora, just let's step back briefly to the question of, of um, state broadcasters or national broadcasters, as you as say they're also called. Um, obviously, the African Charter recommended the move from state to 
to um, uh, public broadcasters, but most governments on the continent are obviously slow to give up those controls, and we know why. But if we even look at the Namibian context, doesn't this also, and I know David also wants to speak to this, give the state broadcaster a bit of a monopoly? I mean, if we look at the issue here of the NBC holding on to a whole lot of licenses and things like that, what is it? Is it creating unfair competition because they are so dominant? Um, perhaps you, Nora, and then David take well, up the... Well, yes, it, it, it does give um, the national broadcaster state um, an unfair um, advantage right. in the sense that um, in, in this world where the pie is so small, small. Yep. they get double the pie. First of all, they're taxed by, the, you know, the taxpayers, they sure. use taxpayers' money right. through the government grants. And secondly, they are also free to go to look for ad, uh, um, advertising. And compete with the commercial, exactly. exactly. And mm -hmm. can undercut the commercial. Correct. <laughs> yeah. and, yes, uh, absolutely. You know, not only that, their reach is much wider. So therefore, they reach a larger, a larger audience. And this is what speaks to um, the, the advertisers. Absolutely. Your reach. Who, yeah. who sometimes want to curry favor with the government for yes. obvious reasons. Yes. So yes. that, David, any, any just brief comments sort on of that? In, in terms of well, another element of it from a, a sort of journalistic perspective is, is access. Uh, and that, that the, the national broadcaster, to my mind, seems to have a, a greater access to ministers, to voices. Um, yeah, I understand cultivating your, your own contact list. But we've seen in the past where it, it has definitely been unspoken, but, the, but sort of, I need to speak to the NBC first, and then I can speak to you. Exactly. Which, you know, and that, that definitely creates a, a different element of unfair. where the politicians don't start until the NBC yeah. pitches up. Um, but yes, things like that. David, thanks for that. You know, what could be termed hate radio, we know it's always been a concern on the continent, especially when we look at its role in Rwanda during the genocide. Um, do you think, and we've touched on it briefly, the sort of infotainment aspects of radio, do you think this is a problem here today? Are some of them sailing a bit close to the edge in terms of either salacious or dangerous or insightful or clickbait content to compete with social media? Do you think it's a problem or not yet? I, there have been elements where, where, I can, where I've seen it and where it, it could have become problematic. Uh, I think, thankfully, whether it's just a Namibian situation, a lot of the time it, it got diffused quite quickly or it, or it disappeared. Um, but there again, it, it, it's very important and it takes us back to the ownership structures and, and the control levels and, and the guidelines that are, that are in place for people. Uh, whereas, you know, sometimes things are, are, are just said by accident and then they can exactly. be cleaned up quite quickly. Right. Uh, sometimes things, I don't think we've necessarily got the, got the issue of, of necessarily outright sort of hate and attack. Uh, I've seen a lot right. more of that on social media, uh, which, which you won't be able to be, to be regulated. But from a radio point of view, I think some of the times, yes, maybe you become a bit salacious, you become a bit... Uh, sensationalist because you want some interaction with the audience, you exactly. want somebody to comment on your Facebook post, uh, and that can take it a little bit far sometimes. But I don't think we, we've got the problem in, well, in the radio context of, of it bordering or crossing over onto hate. Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree yeah. with, um, with, with um, David, you know, with the exception of uh, this um, one or two radio stations that I was talking about earlier. Mm. But even they, 
they don't go um, so far, so far as, as to you know, incite the, yeah, um, exactly. tribalism. Or, Precisely, yeah. you know, to what we would call hate speech. No, they don't. Okay. So, I mean, obviously it's a good thing for us all to keep note. The warning signs are there because if we look at social media and what's carrying on these days and people, you know, really stirring it up in terms of xenophobia and so on, that we just need to be aware of that. But, I mean, it's not a problem yeah, per se. I, I think in terms of the, uh, the commercial entertainment function of most of the Namibian radio radio stations it's it's not actually in their in their interest to to rile their listeners up too much that's not what the people are tuning into them for you're tuning into an entertainment station for entertainment for a little bit of a a lighter a lighter mood not not to be worked up and i think to that extent i i think any radio station that that perhaps wanted to go that way would would almost be shooting themselves in the foot a bit right and this brings me back to our question of trust, which is really what we're talking about today. And I'm wondering whether, obviously, um, trust of the audience depends very largely speaking. Yes, issues like ownership and the policy of the stations uh, have a lot uh, a role to play. But it clearly depends on, and Nora said that already, so have you, David, on skilled and dedicated radio journalists who know their job, who basically are journalists. Um, and Nora, of course, has a lot to do with, with training people. Um, where do we and how do we, Nora, I know it's probably a question that keeps you up at night, how do we get these young people to really take it seriously? Because as you say, I get that feeling that even while, and I do a lot of mentoring of journalists as well, that while you're doing it, they've got the eye on becoming a PR for a big company here or to go into marketing there, and journalism isn't their end goal. So how do we get them to get back to reading and, and do things that are going to make them more skilled and in turn get people to really listen in and for people to be truthfully informed or as informed as possible through this very powerful medium? Where do we go, Nora? What are your ideas, um, if any? <laughs> tough call, tough call. Um, yeah. Um, look, when I have um, trained... Um, journalists, um, broadcast um, journalists. Um, a lot of the time, obviously, I will ask them, you know, um, why are you in this right. and, and what drives you, what is your passion? I found that a lot of them want to go on television and they want to be on TV, Anchors. you know, as a celebrity. <laughs> yeah. And obviously, um, this is the influence of what they see you know, in uh, in America, Hollywood, etc. Yeah. You know, where they become um, celebrities, right. and this is what drives um, um, a lot of them. The few really dedicated um, um, journalists that that I've been uh, uh, working with, that I've worked with, have um, have really been um, journalists and are willing to learn and are willing to push the boundaries. However, once they get to working in, um, in for instance, the, the, the national broadcaster, they're hamstrung by... The um, policies and the... The management. Right. You know, the, okay. the editors, etc. Right. because of this fear factor. Right, so in, they're inhibited exactly. and Precisely. the fear factor you know, and it, all those, yes, self-censorship. You know, yeah. Absolutely, you know, which, which is really, really sad. So we need a crop of fearless journalists who are willing to push the boundary and are willing to do real journalism 
and not pander to, you know, whoever that precisely. Be. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. David, last thoughts from I, you I, on th that? I think Nora, having mentioned the, the tertiary institutions earlier, and I think they, mm. as much as, as commercial entities are limited at the moment, everybody's struggling, they don't have the resources, but some kind of partnership with the tertiary institutions uh, that can, you know, have more of a training element. Uh, and I know you, you've spoken to it before that the tertiary institutions don't actually make use of the resources that are available in Namibia, uh, but you know, get that, that partnership going that people who have been in the industry for years that have the experience can come and talk to the, the students themselves. Uh, we, we all know... And inspire them, you know. They yeah, need there's, role models. There's uh, a big difference between your lecturer telling you something and someone who's there doing absolutely. it day-to-day, -day, telling you that and, and possibly inspiring and lighting that fire inside you. So if we could sort of work more on, on those partnerships and, and, and helping to, to train, offering up our time, I think that would definitely be beneficial. Okay, it's nice to hear even in a rather depressing scenario, there, yes. is, there is positivity oh, and there are those good young people out there who are going to be stars one day, but they're just a little too few and far between. So finally, just to wrap up this podcast, I'm afraid we don't have the time I'd like to have to chat to the both of you. But again, with World Radio Day uh, here, um, just a few thoughts from the both of you to sum up really your thinking on, on the issue of trust in radio and where... We can go from here, whether it be commercial, community, state, uh, uh, national broadcaster, to enhance the already significant power of this medium in terms of making information accessible to people. Just some last thoughts. Nora, you go first. I think as far as I'm concerned, for me, the main issue would be that um, these radio stations must provide content that is relevant to the communities that they broadcast to, okay. um, relevant to their audiences. And, and once they are, you know, and they are adequately informed, you will have a captive audience. That's a good point. And mm. also use, you know, make use of other mediums like podcasts and things so people listening in the car on the way to work or in the village can also hear discussions like this one um, you know might be nice David last thoughts from you well, I think radio has got the benefit in that it is that more intimate medium and, and you you are sharing people's lives with them you're there with them while they're doing the, the, the dishes or cooking dinner at night or you know taking the kids to school whatever it is so that that allows us I think the the opportunity to gain trust in, in ways that other mediums don't necessarily have, but it also gives us a massive responsibility uh, that we have, to, we have to live up to that trust. Right. That's a good point. And I mean, uh, to conclude, I think radio is still a very vibrant sector um, in Namibia. And to me, it looks like what is important going forward is possibly, Nora, also, as you say, there, there are limited people out there like David working where he is and you uh, working where you are to, to sort of pool our skills, uh, whether it's commercial, whether it's national broadcaster, whether it is a private radio, just to actually pool their skills and expertise and put it together and start thinking more creatively about going forward and, and not only building trust, but also maintaining the status quo where radio at the moment still is a lot stronger in terms of sustainability than print, for example, and maintaining and enhancing this position it's absolutely imperative that we've got to work together not for us per se but for our audiences you know for the people 
of, um, of this country and providing them with uh, quality programs and content. Thank you very much, Nora. Thank you, David, for taking time. And happy New Year's Day. Thank you. Thank you.